Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80 screw skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. And welcome, family and friends, MassCast agents. This is MassCast 79. Yes, we're at 79 finally. I'm Wyatt Bloom, one of the agents here. And you will probably recognize that Jason has not opened. Um, if you have not heard the news... Jason Gross happened to pass away on October 25th of 2023 this year. Um, it was a sudden, sudden onset. Um, it um, really took us in any form of the community, the, the mass community, the retro network, uh, rediscover the 80s and anything retro that he was a part of. And it took it took us all by surprise dying at 46 um, it really struck me pretty hard uh, you know he's been my partner in crime as he's put it and, but uh, this episode is really a tribute to him uh, as he was an integral part of our beloved cartoon series he was the co-founder and the co-writer of our script the Agents of Mask, and then the Mask movie that we had written together. Uh, that started around 2003. I'm sorry, 2006. That was a lengthy ordeal, about a four to five year jaunt. And then we decided to do some add-ons to it here and there. I invite you to listen to us in the Meet the Host episodes, episode one where you hear more about us, uh, the ideas for MassCast and the script. Uh, originally, this was not MassCast. This was uh, quite a lengthy website. It was called uh, blogspot.com slash, I believe it was Mobile Armored Strike Command, the movie. And we decided to shorten it up to Agents of Mask. And I wanted to be something unique. And instead of just calling it the Mask Podcast or Agents of Mask Podcast, let's make it MaskCast. It seemed to fit. He loved it and we went with it. In the audio version that I'll produce, uh, I'll edit in some clips. This is the uh, video live feed um, on YouTube so that you fans can see the tribute uh, that I've put together. It's, it's small in comparison because... Uh, we've known each other for 38 years. Uh, hard to believe. Uh, we met each other in the fourth grade at the Clifford Alliance Christian School that we've talked about, probably more so over on Rediscover the 80s and Memory Jogger. Uh, you can just see the pictures there, obviously, uh, of Jason. We shared so many similar interests, yet he was one of those that was a common friend to everybody. And to anybody he encountered, he really was a very outgoing individual. 
and more so when it came to the retro pop culture fan base and culture um, network. He was a sports fan. I'll, I'll talk a little bit in brief uh, about us, but he he was a big sports fan. He loved anything Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We leaned more towards the Steelers, Clearfield, Pennsylvania. If you can Google it, look at the state. Penn State or State College is about dead center of the state. We were just a smidge, about an hour west on Interstate 80. And kind of that was the defining line. We were not Phillies fans or we were not uh, Eagles fans because that was on the other half of the state. We were Steelers fans or Penguins fans or what have you. He was more so the fan. I was not. And I would be, whenever the Steelers won a Super Bowl, I'd be like, yay, let's move on with life. He was all laid up. He had the hats. He had the gear. Oftentimes he had the snacks, even from Pennsylvania. On occasion, I would... I would mail him things. Uh, he loved, loved his Middlesworth barbecue chips, Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. That was something else we loved. Anyway, again, back in school, he ate lunch, and we just recently had a memory jogger about that. We were just talking about how he was sitting around with the jocks, essentially, and I hung out with the nerds. Just that sports were not my thing, nor were those at the table. Uh, we were just more of a, talking about cars hunting, other Pennsylvania things to do, what have you. Anyway, we just had so many common interests growing up. As children, we went to one another's house. We, at the time, it wasn't called pulp culture. It was, it was modern day, but we talked about the pulp culture. Uh, it was common. We, we chatted about, obviously, anything television um, shows, the movies, the toys, the music. In our teenage years, we visited... One another's homes. It was more me than Jason because I had the car first. So we'd I'd drive down to his place and we would just hang out and play board games, card games. That was the big thing for us. Uh, we had an, a Nintendo. I had a Nintendo. He had a, the uh, Sega Genesis and the Master System. But very rarely did we grab into the electronics. Not like nowadays where everybody wants to be on this on whatever game system and tablet, you know. But we were just just ate up about playing board games and card games. And one of our favorites we've talked about is called spit in other versions. It's a four letter cuss word, but you see there, you see the stacks right here. You would stack five cards here and then five cards over here on this other side. These two guys in the middle would be just a single card. Then you would line up your stack, your working stack, I called it, on either side on each player and then you had what was the remainder of the 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 deal in your hands so we would always go one two three and each of us would turn these two here and these would be your play cards and you just kind of play like war you know you go up and down so two three four four two three or four sorry my numbers are bad huh four three two ace uh, ace was the unique one you could that one went and kind of crossed over it was a one uh, or you could go from king to ace, however we went. If you got two similar cards, so if you got a pair of twoses here, the first one that called spit, the other one got the deck. So there could be a, a small stack of maybe six cards, not a big deal. But if we've been going a while, there could be a stack of, who knows, 20 cards. So now in addition to what you were trying to 
get rid of has now been just added. Anyway, this is one of our big fun things to do. Um, again, we, we play card games and other, other card games. Like um, we play poker with his penny jar. We would grab the payday, hotels, whatever other game we had. And usually in the background was the Three Stooges playing. Uh, we watched a lot of other things. We watched movies. We watched one of our, fa our, our favorites were See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Armed and Dangerous, Plane Trains, Automobiles, the Back to the Future movies, Ghostbusters. There's a few that I've skipped my mind, but um, Tommy Boy, just oodles that we loved watching. And again, we'd be playing this. Mileborn was another game we play. Just countless games. We've said before on our, mostly on Memory Jogger, but we've said that we would spend an hour during the summer watching The Price is Right and bidding on it. You know, we'd play along. Uh, that was our thing. When I began to work, um, and we were, I was driving a little bit more, uh, we discovered that hole in the wall, we called it, that hangout place we often called, especially over in uh, Memory Jogger. It was called Downriver Delight. Now that's it in its glories. This is uh, kind of a little restaurant right here. You'd order whatever, your food and drinks right here. What you don't see on the screen, and I'll push over here, this is its modern day, unfortunate, sad appearance. Again, you recognize the, the ordering area. Over on this left-hand side, this room was a game room. So uh, there was maybe a handful of arcade games. There was a handful of pinball machines. And then there was a bill, uh, billiards table uh, right close to these windows over here. And then there was also a jukebox over on this wall, this outer wall here. And we just each carry a roll of, qu of quarters. And that was our play. But everything cost a quarter. So he'd sit there for hours, it seemed, um, just playing. Sometimes it was about two or three hours we would play out here. And then if we had to use the restroom, uh, we had to run across out in front and go over to this. Uh, there was an overhang. You had outdoor dining on picnic tables. And then inside, uh, there was about a four-table, I think it was real small. But it was about a four-table seating area, and there's the restrooms in there. But yeah, this was our hangout place for geez, three or four years while we were still there. And we'd, we'd play different songs. We would take turns, you know. Uh, Jason was big on Aerosmith and Phil Collins. At that time, I was more of a country listener, so I'd grab the Garth Brooks and Aaron Tippin. Obviously, there was more. There was others. That was the main ones that I do recall. The real name was actually called Downriver Delight. That's its official business name, but we always called it Beefs, uh, just the guy that was his nickname. Then on 6 September of 1993, I got hired at the radio station. You have probably heard of us talk about that, but really heavily on Memory Jogger. Uh, episodes 10 and 14, if you're really curious, that's what has the bulk of our talk. Anyway, I worked there at WCPA, WQIX. Uh, after a few months there, there was an opening that became available, and I invited Jason to come along. said, hey, why don't you come along and... Maybe be an announcer, probably a board op, uh, which is what I was, which was all we did was to flip the switches and play commercials. We didn't do a thing. I never got to use this guy. I thought it was only a few months, but instead it was actually uh, 7th July of 1994. And his wife just recently stumbled upon that paper. He had been looking for that on our chats. He didn't think he saved it, but she stumbled onto it. And that's how I, we discovered it was 7th July that he got hired. Again, common 
fun memories. We talked about rapping with the Aerosmith CD because at the time, the your personal consumer-grade electronics CD players typically didn't have a kind of like a fast-forward button. It just had your skip, so you skip to the next cut, next track. Well, ours were the professional models, and we could do that one, a little tap and maybe skip it half a second or a second. And I still fondly remember Aerosmith's It's Amazing. That was, the, the I think, one of the top plays then. And we liked it because we could tap amazing and kind of pseudo-rap is what we called it. So you hear the ma- 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 amazing. So it was fun. Just so many things. Remember the the carts, you know, we've, we've talked to get it about it on Memory Jogger. These are them. Uh, I've been slowly collecting the equipment and so forth. Then we graduated high school. All our graduating class was 10. Yeah, we went to a private school. So 10 was the max at that time. I joined the Air Force. Uh, within two weeks, I was already in the recruiter's office uh, wanting to sign up. And I eventually joined in February of 1995. Jason went on to Toccoa Falls, and it wasn't until 1996 he got down there. And we kept in touch, always kept in touch. Letters back in the day, you know, snail mail. Phone calls. I can recall even calling from what they call technical school. So I was learning my trade there in the Air Force. And I call about once every three weeks back. I was using a calling card, you know, back then. And uh, I call, and I asked Jason to just put me on hold for one minute. And he asked why. I said, I want to listen to QIX, which was our FM top 40 or hot AC station. Well, the hold button played the station. So I just wanted to listen to WQIX for a little bit. And he did so. It was fun. But anyway, we kept in touch with all types of things. When Yahoo Messenger was the thing, I still fondly talk about it because not only could you chat, right? You had the funky GIFs. our favorite was uh, the little dog character, you know, what up? That was the one we loved seeing, kind of got a chuckle at. But embedded in that messenger was games. So, you know, when we're talking, we could play billiards. We could play Battleship and Scrabble. And it was fun because we were still connected. Even though we were, you know, hundreds of miles apart, we could still talk about that. Well, like I said, he went on to Toccoa Falls. And he started working at a college radio station, WTXR, which is what I popped up earlier. I thought I had a picture of his contract loaded. And that's him right outside the student building. He said it was a very small building, what I recall. And again, go back on Memory Jogger. I feel like I'm commercializing it, but really all the great memories are in Memory Jogger. And I've listened to them probably countless times by now, not just in his passing, but I've enjoyed our chats. I love looking thinking back on what we did. Anyway, he he was there. He did that for almost four years, I think. He did that in conjunction with his broadcasting degree. Uh, That's what he got. Uh, He had a minor in business and uh, he graduated with a bachelor's in uh, broadcasting. While serving in the Air Force, I missed radio, so I joined WINU, a little, little AM station out in Illinois. And we would talk, the similarities, how we both still had cart machines, even though I had a computer to do some of the automation and it was running most of the radio station overnight, but they weren't. Their automation was a VCR tape. Literally, they would record six hour a six-hour shift and set the VCR up and hit play when the last DJ was getting ready to leave. And they'd set it up around, I think, around 11 o'clock at night. So it ran six hours. So at 5 a.m., the new, you know, the next person announcer was coming in. Yeah, they were just 
you'd see a re hear, hear the rewind and they would rewonder why uh, there was a pause or a break or silence on the air. It was the tape rewinding, you know, even what seemed archaic at the time, you know, a VCR tape running a radio station. I'm equally just as fascinated because you use what you got. And if a six, eight hour VCR tape will run your radio station, more power to you. Let it, let it do its thing. But it was there that he was in college. He met his lovely wife and soulmate, Aaron, and they've had three awesome children. And I know that meant the world to Jason. He was always, always with them as much as he was, he could. And he's doing the homework with them. But we always looked back at the 80s. A lot of people tell you to look forward. We looked back. We looked back at the fond memories of the 80s. And we would recite lines. I'd send emails and the subject line would just be maybe a Three Stooges line or a line from a movie. You know, just that would be what we, how we talked. Yes, we would talk regular. We'd ask about everybody's day and talk about uh, what's bothering us. We were really open with each other. So we, if we were complaining about something, we would. And if it was a good day, we would share that too. But if we were bored but needed a little motivation, here come the one-liners. And that's what we did. Then moving ahead, like we, I said earlier. Got the idea for the script. Uh, I guess it was in 2007, I believe. I believe Transformers uh, had just, just come out. Right. Um, and G.I. Joe was either rumored or in the works. That we th thought, we need to catch in on this 80s craze. We need to find something that we can cash in on. And going back and forth, I actually think through Yahoo Messenger, we came up with... We just said, hey, what remember, you remember Mask? And uh, I think it just kind of took off from there. Thinking that it was it had a, a popular enough fan base that it should do well in the box office. But at the same time, it's obscure enough that maybe not too many people are thinking of running a script, you know. A-Team's fairly popular. Airwolf would be popular. Well, Transformers was popular. G.I. Joe would equally be popular. But Mask, if I remember right, and we had the same stumbling in, in Meet the Host, was I don't think it was an everyday, like a, it was on the, the, the common networks. It was on a commercial network, I think USA, but it could be a, a different network. Uh, nonetheless, that's how we came up with it. So we started building and brainstorming, and it took like five years of writing, like we said. Then when we completed it. Final version of it, and there's just a few tweaks, and and we were done in October, November. In uh, 2011. We didn't know how we'd get it to L.A. We weren't sure if Hasbro owned it. We figured they did, but there's nothing concrete that said they owned it. But we didn't know how to get it to L.A., didn't know how to get it into into the movie business, really. You know, I'm a bloom. I'm not related to Orlando or Rachel Bloom, and Jason is not related to Michael Gross from Family Ties. So we don't have anybody that we could, you know, try to pass off as on one of the family members there. So we started out with, like we said, the uh, the blog spot and did the mobile armor strike command the movie. And shortly afterwards, we began the, the first mass cast, which was, I think, February, March, uh, January or February of uh, 2012 with that and that was with meet the host and then we thought you know what let's just have fun with this let's go and do a play-by-play -play of each episode do a little rating thing first for fun and then draw any similarities from our movie to kind of give you the listener a hint about what's in our movie just for fun again this was all purely for fun with a little bit of the strings latched on to hopefully grab someone out in la 
hey, this might be something to look into, you know? Uh, we did our due diligence. We had it copywritten. And we also had a WGA, uh, Writers Guild Association, I think, or agency, registered so that no one could officially take our work. Now, granted, it's Hasbro's. They own it. So they could take it, I suppose. But we would do our best to say, hey, it's yours, yes, but we wrote it. At least give us 200 grand or whatever and call it good for the effort. But, you know, that's that's what it was. I've, I haven't had only maybe two fans, people truly look at the script. What I've received is that it's a great, or it looks like it'd be a great movie. It's a modern setting. Uh, it's not set back in the 80s, but we reach back to the 80s. Uh, we give Venom very A-team-like, humble settings. You know, they're having to scrounge around in a junkyard to build their Venom vehicles. Uh, the only modern vehicle that they really have is Switchblade. Everything else is they scrounge around and make do with it. So that's how they keep like a mid-80s Ford Bronco for Jackhammer. That's how they come up with a Piranha bike because we use a, a Honda, I think is what we closely got it typecast to. Uh, Vanessa and Manta, we got it close to that that uh, Mazda, you know. Uh, actually, I think it's a Nissan, I'm sorry. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we we try to give them that humble setting. Whereas Matt Tracker, we always heard Tracker Oil growing up with the cartoon. So we mirrored it that he in inherited dad's business of oil. So that was the money side of it. And of course, they got the modern vehicles. But, you know, it's still a green Condor, you know, fluorescent green, just like Condor was. Uh, we get Rhino, modern day truck, but it still looks like Rhino to us. It does everything, has the battering ram grill and so forth. So uh, we, we give them more rich presents, I guess. The only thing I've gotten back really as any type of feedback is that it, the ending is abrupt. Our intention was to make it a two-part movie. Uh, humble starts, there's no real Boulder Hill yet. And then when, if Hollywood or whoever picked it up, uh, our plan was to begin working on the second script that had a more robust uh, mask and venom uh, uh, setting and vehicles and uh, headquarters and all that. We never did write the second script. We We wanted to hold off really because we didn't know what would happen. We wanted to hear something from Hollywood and, and give us like a a guarantee. Okay, we'll build, we'll make the first one if you start writing the second one type of guarantee. Anyway, that's what we did. But from there, shortly after, we had all types of joint ventures, um, not trying to monetize it by any means, but it was just our, our thing. Uh, you know, he created Rediscover the 80s and we've done a myriad of podcasts through them. And we had that awesome invitation to RetroCon 2015 where two rural country kids that grew up watching all the cartoons, you know, including Mask, and then being invited to be a part of that QA panel, Q&A panel with Doug Stone. That was really surreal because we're here sitting with our, one of the voice actors from the, the movie, you know, the show. You know, he was originally from Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, myself from Clearfield, Pennsylvania, about a seven mile separation along Route 80, 879 in Pennsylvania. And like I said, we we were the typical kids. And that time at RetroCon just baffled us. You know, we we got to meet Bill Ferris, a great, great friend that we've come to admire and uh, respect and, and 
routinely look for him at RetroCon, as well as other pop culture fans and, uh, and partners that he's done with podcasts. And that was so fun to do. And we we did that every year, uh, except for COVID in, in 2017, I think, is the two years we didn't go. But it's always fun to go up there with him. The camaraderie we had, you know, we worked together, went to school together. We hung out together. We went to beefs, right? Really somehow latched onto the 80s and really early 90s with all these ventures, Memory Jogger, uh, Rediscovered, just Rediscovered the 80s podcast and talking about the Christmas wish books, right? We would usually invite Chatty Young over for that. That was always fun to do. Where I'm at, I'm just about four hours south of my hometown, right? I get perked up on occasion and I share it with Jason. And where I'm located, I'm now located in central Maryland, about basically in between Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And I live along a route called Maryland 295, also called the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. And I would see what's called a Fullington charter bus. That's one of our local charter buses from our home area. Um, if it's not based in Clearfield, it's based out in State College, where its home base is, I think. So I'd snap a picture or at least text him and say, dude, Fullington just passed by me. And just recently, the last, I'd say the last year, I've noticed a, a trucking company based out of Altoona, which Altoona is about an hour south of Clearfield. And I'd snap a picture, send him little things, or I just recently, our hometown newspaper, The Progress, has been working together with the, our historical society, and they've been putting together this they call it the negative project. So they've just been dumping photos that they find onto Facebook. And I'm seeing gobbles of old WCPA radio station stuff or learning where buildings have moved. Businesses has moved from one business to another or building rather. It's just tons of stuff that I used to be able to share. You know, we were fond fans, especially on Member Jar. You'd heard us have a memorial for Bobby Day, which was our boss and the local celebrity there. It's what kept us bonded. You know, we would talk about life. But oftentimes we talked about everything nostalgic, including our home area. We were chatting about future ideas. I mean, we, you know, you live in the now. You think the future. You don't think at age 46 you're going to just abruptly die. But we were thinking about things. We Our last couple conversations, uh, one of them was about the speakers of all things from our radio station. At my house, we do movie nights uh, most every weekend. And on occasion, I break out a little projector. And I have this cheap computer speaker set up. Well, that computer speaker failed on me. So I break out a pair of these old speakers that are probably closer to 30 years old speakers, broadcast speakers. And you can see the text message right there. These are the two speakers right here. And you can see those are the old FM speakers. And Jason remembers that because, and there's a little bit better close-up picture of the, my setup there, because back in our radio station right there is our FM speaker. That was set to our FM receiver. And the real reason it was there was so that we could monitor our FM booth to make sure it was still on air. Now, Jason would crank it up and sit there and listen to hot AC while he's trying to listen to or dealing, having to broadcast news talk. So think of old talk shows back in the day. Um, you think of Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Burns, I think was what he used to listen to. I don't remember that one. Just countless of news talk shows so you know it gets boring so he would crank it up me i would go looking around the building and see what all i could get into you know learn about wiring and rewiring things that was my thing and one of the other conversations we had was our skating rink came up for sale we talked about how great it would be to own this right but 
because he lived in Alabama, I lived in Maryland, even though I'm a little bit closer, we're still well out of state to do everyday operations. The cost was pretty high for what we thought, but we still talked about it. We were like, hey, you know what we could do? We could do this and this. We could beef up the arcade and we could do that. And, you know, me, I wanted to rebirth our FM studio, the WQIX. So maybe we could do a hobby station within, you know, just something. And then he took one step further. He said, well, if we have the money, I would like to be able to put this, get these buildings out front. When you can see on the right-hand side, you see just a little bit of an ear of uh, the red building, the skate station there. But the brown building there, you see mostly in the foreground, most of that is vacant. And then obviously you still see the the sign there, Video Stars. That was a video rental store there, that two-story building on the left. That was a video rental store for years until it, it suffered the demise of rentals. But he thought about turning it into some kind of nostalgia place, you know? So it was just, we talked a lot about what to do. But like I said, his his surprising death was a blow to all of us in the retro community. It was a bigger hit to obviously his family. He and I considered each other brothers uh, since we had known each other since we were nine, eight years old. It was such a sudden thing. And his many of the friends in the retro community have talked about him, prayed tributes. Uh, you fans on the Agents of Mask, the Facebook page, have really come out and shared your thoughts and prayers with us. It's awesome. Even Doug, Doug Stone and Sharon, Sharon messaged me on my Facebook, you know, that, that really made it a bigger impact. You know, how, how even our voice actors came out with condolences, you know, and it hurts. It still hurts. Um, somehow been able to fight back most of the tears now the last couple of weeks. It's been at this time of recording, it's been just a little over a month since he's passed. But I'm, I've been really more worried about his family, to be honest. His youngest was 10 years old. So she's having to lose, you know, she's lost her dad. And he has two older boys, both teenagers. And his wife, you know, his wife adored him. And that just still breaks her to this day. They just went through, our, you know, the American Thanksgiving. And uh, they said they were, all of them at the table were fighting back tears. I think of them. I think of him quite every day, but more so when I'm thinking of stuff that I want to share with him. Yet, I know that both of us are believers in Jesus Christ, and we're not ashamed of that. So I know that he is in heaven, and that's, I think, mostly what has helped me get through the grief, is knowing where he is, knowing that I'm going to see him one day. It might be another 40 years. I don't know. It might be tomorrow, for all I know. But that's where he is. Now, if you, all the fans, want to go and see his celebration of life service, search on YouTube and visit the Gateway Baptist Church of Montgomery, Alabama. And it should still be available right now as of the time of this recording. As far as Agents of Mask and MaskCast are concerned, I will do my best to maintain both. I am still working through the administrative side as Jason really took care of all of that. But I plan to keep it up, barring any problems from Venom or the Rotex. I know I will keep him fondly in our memories, especially mine. Uh, I know that he will still be a part of MaskCast. I'll be inserting his vocal but i will probably have a new call up but we'll see but i want to thank you all once again thank you all for supporting us through this difficult time and i will hope to talk to you next time on mass cast